You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of The Process. Welcome, everybody, man. Again, this is The Process, where the process is always greater than the product. Again, man, it's your host, Sean Barber, 10-year vet, NFL uh, man, obviously from your beloved Kansas City Chiefs. And I got the pleasure, I got the rights, I got the, man, the honor of having a guest host this week, my man, Dana Hughes. We've been on air together. We've done radio shows together, man. We battle in these streets together. We've done a lot of things, I think, in the past we're not as proud of. But right now, we are uh, co-hosting the process. And before we get anything done, let's, hey, let's take care of business. Let's pay the bills. So the process, man, is uh, we got to thank the title sponsor, which is the McGinnis Group. Uh, not only do I work for McGinnis Group, I'm the vice president of uh, business development. And at the McGinnis Group, man, uh, we specialize in employee benefits, health insurance for companies, retirement, financial services, life insurance and long term care. Uh, we would love to have the opportunity to review your uh, career plans and learn how to be more important and how to be more involved in your game plan for the game plan of life. Again, be a part of the MGI team. Remember, together, everyone achieves more. That's T-E-A-M, together, everyone achieves more. That's how to be a part of the team. And with that, man, again, this is Damon Hughes, and we're going to just get right into it. They taught you how to spell team down in Richmond? Here we go. University of Richmond, yes, we did beat the – Hawkeyes, the Iowa Hawkeyes, we'll get involved in all of that as the show goes on. Uh, Dana, is this over here? The first part of the show, we always start with the the who, the what, and the where. Who is Dana Hughes? What is he doing now? And where can he be found on social media? So I'm just going to, like, be quiet. Yes, everybody's going to applaud. Oh, you? you heard me? I am. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be quiet for a moment and let Dana tell you who he is uh what he's doing now and where he can be found on social media all right so my name is Dayton hughes i'm a former wide receiver with the kansas city chiefs played here six years from 1993 to 98 uh prior to that i was born and raised in the great city of bale new jersey uh born and raised there went to high school there it is uh something that i am extremely proud of I uh, was very fortunate, very blessed to play multiple sports as a youngster. Played baseball, basketball, football. Excelled in all three, uh, but was able to get a scholarship to the University of Iowa to play baseball and football. And I say baseball and football, not football and baseball, because baseball is my first love. It always has been, always will be. Uh, played in the late 80s, early 90s at the University of Iowa and was drafted to the Milwaukee Brewers as a junior in college. I was drafted in the same draft on the same day as Derek Jeter and Jason Giambi and uh, some other really, really good Major League Baseball players. Uh, I played two years of of professional baseball, and then the Kansas City Chiefs drafted me uh, in 1993. I was drafted with the class, uh, my classmate and teammate, for six years was Will Shields, who's a Hall of Fame member. Mm-hmm. I've known Will since we were in college, and I've been here in Kansas City ever since. That is who I am. That is kind of my path in regards to where you can find me. I'm very active in social media, so you can find me on Twitter uh, at DAHughesGuy83, at Instagram at Danon Hughes, uh, Facebook Danon Hughes as well. So uh, you will get a lot of good nuggets if you follow me on social media. I, I, I tackle a lot of different things. It's not just sports. It can be race relations. It can be uh, inspirational messages, uh, inspirational stories or what have you. So uh, I feel like I'm a very entertaining and, and deep thought in regards to social media. So you can follow me on those platforms. And, and the what are you doing now? Obviously, the color commentating for the Chiefs and then also uh, an analyst for the Big Ten Network. Yeah, so uh, I've been very fortunate that after I finished playing football, uh, I had played sports my entire life since I was five, six years old, that I was uh, I went to college, graduated, 
with a degree in communications and broadcasting. And I was able to get my foot into the radio and television broadcasting world. Actually, while I was still playing with the Chiefs, I had my own radio show. My final two years with the Chiefs, it used to be Derek Thomas's show. Okay. And DT wanted to step away from it. And the great people at KPRS here in Kansas City came to me and asked me if I would take it over. So I did that for two years. And when I retired, that's when I started to do Metro Sports here in Kansas City, which is now Spectrum Sports. Uh, that actually kicked open the door for me to get guest spots on radio shows and television. Uh, I currently, I, I've done everything in broadcasting that you could possibly do in regards to the three sports. I've I've called Pop Warner football games. I've called high school football games, baseball, basketball, football, state championships, games of the weeks. And then I just continued to grow in the business to where I got a chance to do college football, then college baseball and college basketball. And then the ultimate dream job for me came to me. This is my fourth year doing it. So just over three years ago, where the Chiefs Radio Network were making some changes and they asked me to be a part of the broadcast. And it has been a, a huge blessing for me to be in the booth with Mitch Holtus and Dan Israel and Josh Klingler and that entire team. Mitch broadcasted games while I was playing for the Chiefs. So now to be in the booth with him and to be a part of all the great calls and the great teams and the great experiences has been immeasurable to me. So it's been a blessing. I still do college football for ESPN and Missouri Valley Conference. I do college basketball for ESPN and the Missouri Conference. Uh, and then for college baseball, which is my favorite, I am on ESPN and the Big Ten Network. Uh, I am the only in the entire U.S., uh, you know, not to try to puff my chest out. It's all right. Puff it out. Puff it out. I am the only color analyst. Mm -hmm. For three, for four major sports in the U.S. So uh, that not just about my background in sports, but I guess there's a value in how I grew up, how much attention I paid to every single sport that I played, and now having the the ability to speak about those yes. and and paint color to each of those events is uh, something that's near and dear to me. It's something that I love because it it, it adds just a little bit more cachet uh, and juice because I love all three sports and the fact that at 50 plus years old, I'm still able to to still have a connection to all the three sports that I grew up loving, playing, and being a part of is just really special to me. It's amazing that Dana's ripe old age, he's able to keep, <laughs> <laughs> keep track of all the- I have for a century plus old, yes. Keep track of all the different sports and his ex-teammates and all of the rosters and everything that he so, has. What's your name again? Uh, yeah, <laughs> we got to give him a test of CTE once the show's over. <laughs> Uh, but again, man, this is Dana Hughes. I'm I'm going to mention a few things about his career that he might not even know himself. Um, back in 1991, the, there was a regular season game while you was at Iowa. Y'all played against Minnesota. That was known as the Snow Game. Can you recall Snow Angel? With Snow Angel, yeah, I did. A, I did a Snow Angel. So in college, this was before all the rules changed, where you could actually have fun and do touchdown dances and all that stuff. I see your son Deacon back there. Deacon, you don't have to listen to this part so you don't get any penalties in your games. But uh, back then, it was encouraged mm -hmm. that we would celebrate touchdowns. So I did dances and I did other stuff. And we had a big snow game against Minnesota where like, they almost canceled the game. That's how bad of snow it was. I told my teammates that if I scored, I was going to do a, a snow angel. And I scored. Uh, I scored two touchdowns that day. Yep. And um, I did a snow angel and I just thought it would just, you know, fade into oblivion, just like all the other dances and everything else. And to this day, any any time I actually go into the state of Iowa, somebody will will pull me aside and said, hey, I remember you did the snow angel or I was at the game or blah, blah, blah. So it, it's it's something that has kind of become. Uh, it's taken a, it's taken a, a long life of its yeah, own in, in the, at the University of Iowa and part of my Hawkeye career. So I, I love it because it was fun. I did it. It was fun playing in the snow. We beat Minnesota. Uh, and then I scored another touchdown after that, too. 
And not only did you beat Minnesota, but your coach was Hayden Fry at the time. Yep. Did you know that was his 100th win of his yes, career? You're not going to sit on this podcast just because you're the host and tell me more about me than I know. Just saying if you know, man. I'm just checking the data, man. I'm checking, I'm checking all the things. Did you know uh, how many players got drafted higher than you in the MLB when it came to the draft? Did uh, Drafted higher from the University of Iowa. So... Well, here's what I do know. Mm -hmm. I am for a position player, non-pitcher. Yep. I, uh, since 1991, there has not been an Iowa Hawkeye that has been drafted higher than me. I know that. There have been some pitchers. Yes, there has. But since 1991, I was part of the 92 draft. So since 1992, I guess technically, there's no other Hawkeye that's been drafted higher than me. Well, let me burst your bubble. And let you know there are two players. Yes, position not, players. They're not position players. There are you go. Yeah, that's what I said. I did, I qualified it. I, I said non-pitching. You won't. There's still two players that since 1992 that have been drafted. Uh, so you are the third highest player in Hawkeye history to be selected in the MLB draft. Like it's no, it's not, it's no problem being third, bro. Uh -huh. Like third is okay. Well, it's, I don't, I don't count pitchers. So why can't I just be my one? Wait, I count kickers. Kickers are part of a football team. Pitchers are part of baseball. Come on, let's not get involved. I don't count linebackers when I talk football. Okay, you are the highest non-pitcher <laughs> to be drafted out of the University of Iowa um, since 1992. So, man, cat, um, tip of the hat. Thank you. Tip of the hat to you for, for that sure. accomplishment. Um, and, and obviously, last but not least, <laughs> I had the pleasure of actually joining you when you were inducted uh, the Missouri Hall of Fame. Yes. Uh, maybe speak about some of the things that went on into that nomination and that award ceremony. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's very special to me. I'm glad we're having a fun conversation because some of these things can bring up some emotional uh, some emotional feelings, but uh, so we'll just keep it really fun. It was, it was a, a, a huge honor because my career, six years here as a wide receiver special teams player, I was a captain for four of those years, um, and I played with Hall of Famers. I played with Will Shields, Marcus Allen, Joe Montana, Ronnie Lott, not many people know that Ronnie Lott's last stop was here in Kansas City. Tony Gonzalez. Uh, and I'm sure there's several, I was really thinking about several more players I played with who were Hall of Famers or will be. And uh, I was I was a, a, a guy that just had a role on this team. Uh, I thought it was an important role. But then after you, you include that experience in those years, then transition into the media world and how I've been able to kind of elevate in that and not really realizing that anybody pays attention to that stuff. And then when the uh, state of Missouri, the Sports Hall of Fame contacted me last year and said that they had selected me as a Hall of Famer and knowing who else has been in that at War Chiefs jersey uh, made it a, a, an incredible honor for me and my family. Uh, I have three grandkids, five kids. My parents came in from Jersey. You got a chance to meet them. Um, and that's a reflection of them. Uh, I'm a reflection of my city of Bayonne. I take it seriously. I represent them and do my best to represent them wherever I go. And the fact that here in the state of Missouri, my name is etched up with some of the greats here in the state. And that's a reflection of my family back in Jersey and my, my people in Bayonne. I'm cool with it. Man, hard work pays off. HWPO. That's real. something I learned from Dana while he was uh, saying his speech at the Missouri Hall of Fame. I've written that down. I've made that one of my notes. I'm t always taking notes to try to make myself a better father, better mentor, better coach, mm. better partner, better friend. And so I'm I don't know about the friend part. I don't know. You ain't my friend, first of all. I know. I know. All right, so don't even start. Like, still, the jury's still out on the friend part. <laughs> you, you could be good in all the other stuff. So with that list of accomplishment and everything, you know, they know where to reach you, the who, the why, the how, everything about Dana Hughes. So, hey, guys, we're going to take a quick break and come back to you. And then we're going to get involved into uh, a summary of the first four games of the season and then talk about maybe the expectation of the next four games for the Kansas City Chiefs. Again, I'm here with Dana Hughes color commentator, uh, NF, uh, NFL and MB MLB analyst for the Big Ten. Uh, we'll be back with you. Again, this is The Process, and I'm Sean Barber, your host. The Process is always great in a product. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. 
It's more fun to be there for live Kansas City Chiefs football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com Chiefs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to The Process. Again, Sean Barber. Uh, we're presented by the McGinnis Group. Uh, let all your insurance needs, health benefit packages. If you are a business owner that has a company, come on to the McGinnis Group. Again, team, T-E-A-M, together everyone achieves more. Let us understand and, and look and review your game plan for life and let you know how you can become a part of our, our uh, family. Again, the McGinnis Group. Again, we're here with Dana Hughes. This is the second segment, man, of the show. The, prod, the process, the process is always greater than the product. So we always break down the fundamentals and try to find out what actually leads to the success of the Kansas City Chiefs. And right now we're going to talk about the first quarter of the season. When me and Dana played, um, I mean, he played a lot longer ago than I did, a decade ago. But when we were players in the NFL, we always broke the season down into four quarters. The yeah. first quarter of the season, right out of training camp, man, we got to start fast. We wanted to make sure that we win each quarter. We broke it at four games, four games, four games, four games. So we're going to look at these first four games. Uh, we started off the season with a tough loss by 1.21-20 to the Detroit Lions. Then we followed up with three wins, 17-9 uh, to the Jaguars, 41-10 to the Bears, and then uh, most recently a 23-20 win at the New York Jets. So, Dana, if you had to summarize – uh, kind of a state of the union for the Kansas City Chiefs and what's working, what's not, the pros and cons uh, about that first four-game uh, module. What would you say about the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah, you and I have had extensive conversations about this. This is what we do. We play golf. We hang out. You've been on my radio show, Players Only, uh, and we discuss the team each week. And uh, you've often heard me say I don't see the game better than any fan, I see it differently. And uh, I have a great vantage point now being the color analyst for the Chiefs Radio Network. I travel with the team um, in the booth for every single game. And uh, what I will tell you in a nutshell about this Chiefs team is that we may not be as good as the 41-10 win against the Bears, mm -hmm. but we're not as bad as the, the, the one-point loss to the Detroit Lions. That's a great place to be in because, as you mentioned, kind of going along with what you said about it being a quarter that you focus on, winning each quarter of the season with that last quarter now having five games instead of four. Uh, we're three and, three and one in the first quarter. And as a team, there are teams in the NFL, several other of the 31 teams in the, uh, in the NFL that are playing as good a football as they possibly can play. They are playing their playoff football now. Only problem with that is it ain't the playoffs yet. And to me, I would love to be a part of a team or a part of an organization or a fan of a great organization that is watching a growing process for that team and still with the ability to win football games. Key point is winning the football games, not being the best that you can be. 
I personally want to see my Chiefs team be great week 16, week 17, and into the playoffs, and not necessarily great in week one, two, three, or four. That's where we are right now. So if you go back, and we can talk extensively through this, I know we got time constraints, but the the Lions game, without if I would have told you three weeks before that game, there will be no Chris Jones, there will be no Travis Kelsey, um, and uh, you would you would wonder how well we would do. Yeah. And you had what, even though the NFL gave the Chiefs four drops, I saw at least eight drops in that game. Mm-hmm. So you add that to that, you would not think that we would even be one point behind the Detroit Lions, and we should have won that game. Yes, multiple chances to take that last drive for yeah. at least a field goal attempt exactly. to still win that game. And mix in a pick six. So yes. if I'd have told you all of those things transpired, you would not even think that game was even close. Yeah. And yet, so that tells you more about us. There's no such thing as moral victories. But if you look at that game, you have to recognize that if one of those things doesn't happen, we win by at least seven points. Yeah. Uh, and then being able to go back and uh, get back right, get things right in Jacksonville and then the Bears and then this last week against the Jets. Tough teams, all teams that were desperate at the time. Uh, they were, had lost and they were in a position where they didn't want to lose and unfortunately they wind up losing again. Uh, teams that had been tabbed as bad with the Chicago Bears as well as this last game against the Jets had some incentive because they were playing the Super Bowl champion Chiefs and they played tough, but we played tougher. So you'll never hear me complain about a one or two or three, in this case with the Jets, a three-point win because you and I both know we've been around the game a long time. Uh, Wins are tough. Yes. In the NFL. This is not Alabama playing Alabama State. This is not, you know, some, you know, Iowa football playing Richmond uh, football. We would Iowa would blow them out. Uh, I just want to uh, – they hit a nerve. I'm sorry. I had it all. Okay. Um, Richmond Spiders would not have a chance. So it's not like that in the NFL. Um, NFL, everybody gets paid. They're professionals, and they have some pride and dignity, and that's what we saw with the Jets game. Yeah, a lot of times people boil down a game to the ending score. And yeah. I realize, man, the, in the Jets game, we held a 17-0 lead and was able to take their best punch. They tied it up 20-20. to We got a field goal lead. And then our offense got the ball with over seven minutes left yep. and was able to use every bit of that clock. Yeah, Patrick could have walked in the end zone and made it a 10-point win. Which everybody would have felt, yeah. right? Points for all, everybody would have felt better about it. But in all actuality, there was no point throughout that game where the Chiefs lost the lead or lost control of what was going on. And if the one thing that was effort, uh, uh, evident of that is the way that the offense, when needed to, clicked into all cylinders and was able to melt over seven minutes off the clock to preserve yeah. a win. Yeah, it was, it was special. And... Like you said, being able to take every punch, and I even referenced this during the broadcast, is that you and I as athletes, our mindset, our competitive nature, our fire, the blood, sweat, and tears that we put into the game to get prepared to be on that stage is like a heavyweight boxing match. Yeah. It's like you, and there's times where you're going to be the aggressor like we were against the Chicago Bears, and we were throwing haymakers all game, and they couldn't figure out how to duck. They all landed. Yeah, and then you got a game against the Jets, who had some pride, especially on the defensive side, who had some dignity, and they got punched into the corner, and instead of dropping to a knee for an eight count, they swung and connected. They connected in the second quarter and the third quarter and got some good punches in themselves. But when it was time to finish the fight, we got back on our feet, came out for that 12th round, and knocked them out. That's pretty much it. So, yeah, don't look at the score Don't look at the fact that we lost a 17-point lead. Look at the fact that you have an organization, you have a team, a championship organization that knows how to win games. Because guess what? As we also know, there are teams in the NFL that know how to lose games. They figure out ways. They could be winning all game. They could have all the momentum in the world. We have a division division full. Yeah, we have a division full in the AFC West. So uh, there's an art to knowing how to win games. And when it comes to crunch time, that's why you probably don't have very many people on your fantasy team that play for the Chiefs. You probably don't make a whole lot of money betting on the spread <laughs> against the Chiefs. I don't bet. I I'm, I haven't gotten into that yet. But 
part of the part of the cachet of that is you still have a winning team. And that's where we should be hanging our hat on. Always. The way I summarize the first quarter of the season is the defense has not only set the standard, but it's kind of reset what their standard oh, is. Oh, sure, you want to take the defense real quick. You want to make the defense the first thing you talk about. It's a first goal for you. As far as what the defense uh, should expect from themselves going into the season, everybody talked about top 10. But I think that goal has to be reset because our the back end is playing so well. Mm-hmm. And the young guys up front are, are getting after the quarterback. The linebacker core is solid. Even without Bolton being there, even without Chris Jones being there the first game, they're, they're, they were, they're setting a depth and an expectation of next man up mentality that's almost unreal in the NFL for these uh, unheard heroes to step into Leo Chenault and um, Ryan Tranquil, Tranquil, Ryan Cook. Everybody is just stepping up. Um, Mike Dana has been yeah. one of the brightest spots on the D line. Yes. Where most people going into the season thought our D line was going to be a weakness, mm-hmm. especially without Chris Jones. Well, without Chris Jones, it gave us an opportunity to see, well, how good can this Mike Dana guy be? And it's proven week in and week out. Uh, he's very good. He's very, very good, good. Very versatile. I, I, I like the team concept on defense. And dare we say it with the team with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey that we have identified an identity yes. on our defense, which is really special, unheard of um, in most places. Yeah. Uh, you th- look throughout the years, maybe that some of the, some of the Tom Brady teams, not all of them, but some of the Tom Brady teams had an identity already on defense, and their offense also built an identity. We are in that same position. We still got to play quality football, still got to play team football. I think if you look at offense, defense, special teams now with Montreal Washington, yes. uh, and sure getting him as the punt returner, it shores things up where there's an identity across the board for our team. So. I like our chances every week. We're going to go into some hostile environments. We're going to be the Super Bowl of every team we play. There are teams that Chicago Bears are not going to make anywhere near the playoffs. They haven't done that in a long time. So their Super Bowl was us, the Detroit Lions, the only team in NFL history that has not been represented in a Super Bowl. They They had their chance. They had their shot on Thursday night, and they took advantage of it. Every team, Minnesota Vikings, as we move into our division and start playing the, the Broncos and the Raiders, et cetera, we're going to be their Super Bowl. We're going to be their opportunity to tell the world that they may not be a joke like everybody thinks they are, mm-hmm. and they may be better than most people give them credit for, but they're going to step up to that challenge, and we're going to figure out ways to win them. And to put a definition of defining moment on our offense, I think that we're still defining some of the roles. Yeah. This has been a perennial all-time scoring 35 points a game offense since Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes got together. And this year, not that they are struggling to score points, but they're having to find some new ways to, you know, put up the same amount of points. And I think it just boils down to the wide receiver role is still, I mean, we got, we got six guys that are trying to figure out what is the pecking order and who is going to be the X and the Z and who's going to play the slot and who's, whose role is going to be best defined at running what routes. Yeah. And it's up for grabs for all six of these guys because they all have such a high skill set. Yeah. And now we just want to give them the opportunities each week. It's just a, a, a evolving role. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to seeing how all six of these guys actually mature and develop and grow. Because I think when you just have a clear cut one and two, there's so many guys on the roster who never get the opportunity to show how good they are. That's so right. We're going we're gonna to give all these guys chances almost all season long. So when we get to the end of the season – we're going to have some mature uh, options at wide receiver with playing uh, some playtime under their belts. Yeah. And so I'm looking kind of forward to that role being uh, almost evolving each week. Letting next uh, Justin Ross, Watson, uh, Sky Moore, yep. um, Ali Rice. Yeah, KT, right? Uh, Kadarius Tony. Um, so all those guys getting the opportunities to just go out there each weekend, let your personality show and show your best. So yeah. uh, that summarizes the first four games real quickly. Uh, before we go to break, we're going to go into the next four games. Uh, so one by one, obviously, upcoming game this upcoming Sunday is the Vikings. Mm-hmm. What is your, What do you think about the Vikings as far as them facing the Chiefs? What's something to watch? Well, I think the Vikings can be a very dangerous team, especially on their home turf. Uh, they are a neighboring team to the state where there are some Viking fans here, uh, and definitely some Chiefs fans up there. So there's going to be a strong contingency of Chiefs that will take over that building, a U.S. Bank Stadium. And being a team that's one and three with the star power they have with Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, wide receivers, uh, Kirk Cousins, 
Uh, if you saw the quarterback uh, Netflix yep. special, uh, those guys were on there together. So I'm sure there's going to be a buildup to this game. And they got to recognize in this league, especially in the NFC North where they are, they can't afford to be one and four. Mm-hmm. So they're going to pull out all the stops. This is an opportunity again for them on their home turf to announce to the world that they are stronger than maybe what their record shows. And Kirk Cousins go. Kirk Cousins going head-to-head against Patrick Mahomes after the Netflix special and being able to win the game is probably at the forefront of his mind. For us, it's another game. Fortunately, we don't have that dynamic where we're thinking about uh, why we should beat another team or trying to build our own uh, rapport up by beating a certain team. We're just going to look at every individual game in in, in specificity. And for this game, we're going to have to be sharp in the back end, take away the big plays that they're going to try to take with those wide receivers and um, come out with the win. And if the game is 3-2, to two, you and I have been around football. There might be a whole host of fans that will go crazy, but as long as we got three points and they got two points, I'm good. So the goal is to get out of Minnesota with a win. Yes. Plain and simple. If you go off of just the roster and you talk about Jefferson, you talk about Addison, you talk about Osborne, you talk about Hawkinson, um, you already said, you know, Cousins. What, what school did Hawkinson go to? I think he's a Hawkeye. No. Uh, I didn't you. You talk about Cousins. You. Uh, you talk about the running back, Madison, and now with Cam Akers being involved. I mean, th- th- when you go down the roster, it's hard to figure out how this team is one and four. Yeah. But like you said, it's the defense. Their defense has been so porous. Uh, Harrison Smith has a lot of years on Bonner. He has a lot of experience. But they're just not getting the the – they're not playing cohesively yeah. as a – complete unit. And so you're seeing these glimmers, these uh, here and there of really good defensive play. But for the majority of games, it's just they're giving up way too much yardage, leaky yardage on first down, uh, very com- uh, easily convertible third down opportunities, and then they're being very porous in the red zone. Yeah. And those are disaster. And they're not protecting Kirk Cousins at all. At all. So when we talked about uh, offensive weapons, we didn't talk about the old line yeah. because they're not there. Yeah. It's it's almost a 707 versus mm-hmm. your 11, and it's a free fall to get into the quarterback, which is forcing them to make some uh, untimely throws sometime. All right. Uh, game two, we got a Thursday night football. Um, that's a, a, a donkeys. quick turnaround versus the donkeys coming in town. Um, hey, the, what's special about Thursday night football is actually Tony Gonzalez and his broadcast going to be uh, hosting the Thursday night football game. Amazon. Um, we got... We got Neil Smith. He's going to be doing first pass for the game. Yeah, so all that's the guy throwing out the first pass, catching the first pass. Oh lord, that might even be uh, Neil Smith because of his ties with Derek Thomas in the Third and Long Foundation. Yes. They're going to be honored uh, during that game uh, as one. Of, they're going to receive actually honorary honorary rings, Super Bowl rings, I think. Oh wow! Um, they're going to be presented to the family because he's a. Uh, one of the legends that have passed away and stuff like that. So I think that their, the Derek Thomas story is going to be totally uh, just capitalized and, and, and talked about during and preceding cool. that game. So that's going to be really Great cool. teammate. Great teammate. Great teammate. And then we follow that up in three weeks with the Chargers, which is alumni weekend. All your Chiefs alumni are going to be in town. The legends going to be in town. So if you're a business, uh, that's going to be the weekend on Saturday the 21st to try to invite all the Chiefs legends to come eat and drink for free yeah. at your establishment. That's right. Uh, I'll take advantage of that anywhere so I'm on. Offer- take pictures. I uh, have a whole bunch. The Kingdom Bar and Grill right across the street. Come to the yep. Kingdom Bar and Grill on Saturday, uh, October 21st. That's going to be a, le- a Legends weekend. And it's capped off by our former teammate. Well, my former teammate. You're too old. Dante Hall is going to be inducted. And, and listen, is it is he inducted to the Ring of Honor or the Chiefs Hall of Fame? What, like, Most. Is there a difference? No. It's all the same. It's just, yeah. just, okay. So we're all, technically, we're all in the Chiefs Hall of Fame. If you go down to the Hall of Fame at Arrowhead Stadium, GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium, you go to the Hall of Fame, you can go down there, you can see all of our pictures. Anybody that played for the Chiefs is part of that Hall of Fame experience. You can That's walk amazing. through, there's videos, uh, there's a cool video I have that they did a pr- production of 65 Toss Power Trap Productions that went back to, they went back to my hometown in Jersey interviewed some of my high school teammates and coaches uh, at Bayonne High School. Shout out to Bayonne High School. And um, and then we're all there. Yeah. Now, who also is there are the busts, the heads of all who are on the Ring of Honor. Uh, Dante will be inducted into the Ring of Honor. That's going to be amazing. On the Georgia weekend. And then the last but not least, we're going to – 
And this is this is amazing to me that in a 17 day period, we will play the Broncos, the Donkeys, two times mm-hmm. in 17 days. I don't think I've been a part of that in the regular season. I do remember playing, I want to say it was 1994. Uh, we played the Miami Dolphins on my birthday, which is December 11th. And then we played them the first round of the playoffs, which back then was the beginning of January. So it was within 14 days, that 21 days maybe, somewhere in between 14 and 21 that we played the t- two teams twice. And the, the the let's talk about the mindset and the attitude of preparing yourself for the same team twice. Obviously, you're expecting to win the first game, and then, but do you keep the, as far as offensively, would you keep the game plan similar, the same, if it works, and then change it if it's different? Because you're, you're playing, I mean, defensively in the NFL, you don't change. You do what you do. Yeah, We play the coverages, the pressures, the dogs you see, the blitzes. Our, I mean, we, we we are focused on defenses, doing what we're doing and doing it at a, at a, at a such a high level. It doesn't matter what you do offensively. We're going we're gonna to do what we do and try to set the tone and try to force you to make some bad plays to speed up the quarterback's clock. But you don't see a defense really changing its, you want to say, stripes. Yeah. Um, as 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 you would an offense that can just go from a, a a running pass control to maybe a spread offense. You are able to change an offense based off of personnel packages a lot easier than I think defensively. Yeah, I think the there are pros and cons to playing a team twice in 17 days. One, if it's a think of it if whatever team wins. They have the task of deciding, is it, does it make sense for us to revamp our game plan because it was just winning for us two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. If, and then if you lose, you decide, okay, was that game plan faulty in why we lost and do we have to revamp this game plan to have a chance to win? Or was that game plan really solid? We just didn't execute, so we're just going to work on those fundamentals so we bring the same type of funk. The other thing is tendencies. You you know as well as I do when we play against people mm-hmm. and then quickly play against them again, there are things that we remember about them specifically. It could be a tell that Jawan Taylor on the on the tackle, maybe he's doing something in his stance that makes you remember, oh, when he did this before, it was a pass route, it was a pass play versus a run play. Maybe it was how a wide receiver broke the huddle mm-hmm. or lined up. Or maybe some of the communication you overheard during the game. So there, there are some pros and cons in playing teams so close together, especially with it being within the division. I feel like it can go either way, uh, a benefit or a curse to either team. Well, I think obviously from a from a defensive mindset, uh, playing a team in week six and in week eight, unfortunately, I don't think that I worry about the opponent as much as I do us installing more blitzes, more pressures, like the, the you know, from playing under Steve Spagnola and understanding how we, uh, the process, to say the least, of us developing our defense to be prepared for the postseason is each week we add another layer. Mm-hmm. It's just another layer of what we do. We, 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 we fine-tune the coverages. We fine-tune certain pressures. We make little tweaks. And I think when you see the season laid out, there are things we wanted to work on in week six it has nothing to do with the fact we're playing the Broncos. It's just come week six, come week six, these are certain things we're going to install. And it's a whole nother layer of things we want to install in week eight to make us fully prepared and fully functional with everything by week 15, 16. Oh, yeah. So I don't I don't think just because something works week six, that's 100% guaranteed that you're going to see the same things defensively week eight. I think it's more so us sticking to our process making sure we're installing and working on things that make us a great defense each and every week so that we can become fully evolved as a defensive unit when we talk about the regular season and preparing for the postseason. Yeah, I think I totally agree with that. I will say that I could imagine that if we are, let's say the the Minnesota Vikings dial up a certain blitz package against the Chiefs mm-hmm. and through or multiple packages, and then through those multiple packages, you recognize there's one where we force Patrick Mahomes to roll to his right. And when he rolls to his right, he's able to complete passes 40 yards down the field if we don't get to him. Mm-hmm. But if we have a package that rolls to his left, he's only when he completes them, it's only for 10 yards. Yeah. So now we might still have the same blitz packages dialed up, but we're going to lean more towards gotcha. the one that's going to flush him to the left. Because just two weeks ago, yes. he gashed us. <laughs> 
for big plays and big runs when we made him go to his right. So I feel like those are the little tweaks. You know, that's where the chess match is in regards to preparation for a Chiefs team. Well, again, hey, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, obviously, this is The Process featuring Sean Barrow and my man, Dana Hughes. The Process is always great in the product, brought to you by the McGinnis Group. We'll be right back to you after break. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet 5 bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KCSN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet $5 on the NFL. That's code KCSN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, Licensee partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 and older age varies by jurisdiction. Boyden, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And welcome back to the process. Uh, again, I'm Sean Barber, former linebacker, Kansas City Chiefs. I'm here with my friend, Danon Hughes, right. uh, former wide receiver, uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs and the graduate of the University of Iowa. And you can see in the back, man, my, well, one of my kids, uh, Deacon Barber, uh, he's a ninth grader at Blue Valley High School. Playing he's our bodyguard. Playing wide receiver. Uh, playing, he's, a, he's also a, a dual sport athlete. So yes. in, in, uh, in honor to this great dual sport athlete, uh, played pro baseball for the Brewers, played pro football for the Kansas City Chiefs. I thought it would only be right to have my son Deacon uh, kind of sitting on the, the last – segment of the show where we focus on the things that are very important to me, which is family, faith, and football. He said he liked uh, me better. <laughs> he probably does. It's hard being my son. It's oh, yeah. It's very hard being uh, 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 a young barber in the house of a guy with uh, I demand a lot from him, but I think he would say uh, the things I demand from him are always just being courteous, being responsible, yep. being respectful, uh, being very coachable and understanding, uh, not making the same mistake twice, whether it's at home or on the field or um, in the batting cage with yeah. Coach Carl and anything he's doing. Um, effort, live by. effort and attitude. Those are yeah. the things that are non-negotiable in my house. Yep. You have great effort and you have a great positive attitude. If you're going to do it, do it to your best. Yep. Right. Those are the things that have been overly, overly emphasized. So, all right, this segment of the show, like we said, is going to be family and faith. Um, also, and how those things affect football. Okay. So, in, in what role has uh, your family or faith or somebody, you, could, you know, we talk about family like it's blood, but... Yeah. Um, there have been teammates that I've had of my of any of my sons who I've almost accepted like as a stepkid because yeah. I I was so important into uh, their life as far as just teaching them uh, mindsets and different uh, ways to accelerate their skill level and abilities to not just be great on on the field but also in the classroom yeah and to be great friends uh, and be great teammates all those kind of roles yeah so. Family uh, and extended family is extremely important to me. It always has been. I have worn uh, the, the badge of honor. I've worn the weight on my shoulders of feeling like I was carrying my entire community with me. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said earlier, uh, growing up in Bayonne, New Jersey, uh, is near and dear to my heart. And uh, maybe unlike how some other people have lived or where they've grown up or how ingrained they were with their community. Uh, my, most of my entire family, I grew up around. Extended cousins. Uh, mm -hmm. I only have one sister. My parents still live in the same house I grew up in. Uh, and as I started to move through my career, I have a lot of free time, a lot of time where I'm driving between games or broadcasting gigs, et cetera. So I have a lot of windshield time to reflect. And, I, and I've always taking a lot of honor in recognizing that uh, I am Bayonne's son. I am the son of Bayonne, not just the son of Bobby and Vern. 
And uh, I take that literally uh, uh, heart to my heart. Uh, so as I was going through my career, every time I played, every play I played, I felt like I was representing Bale. I, I felt like um, every coach, every Little League coach, every mentor, every family member that kept me out of trouble, that would play stickball with me instead of letting me have idle time by myself, uh, contributed to me getting to that point. And I never fail to recognize them. Uh, one of the great parts you mentioned about the Missouri Hall of Fame, I'm in Bayonne's Hall of Fame, and, and you know we get accolades and acknowledgments a lot. And when people call me and they're like, hey, we know we're considering you for this, or would you be able to make it? I'm like, yes, I'm coming back. I'm, I'm going to this award show. And I think some people might think, oh, well, he's, you know, he's feeling himself a little bit. And that's why he wants to do it. No, it's a platform where I get to tell people about where I came from and what what was poured into me. So if, if people want to give me some award, they just going to hear about my family. They're going to hear about my people in Jersey and they're going to know that I am a product of my community. So when you talk about the faith and, and upbringing, I remember a, a situation I was playing baseball. We were playing in the, in the championship in high school. I was pitching, and um, I got rocked yeah. in the first inning. And I, I, one guy hit a ball over the wall. It was a wall. <laughs> it, <laughs> it, was a wall. it wasn't a fence. It was a wall. And he hit it over the wall. And I remember squatting down behind the pitching mound, just trying to gather myself. And my coach came out, and he called timeout, pit, tripped to the mound, and, and he didn't say anything about baseball. He said, Get your blankety blank up. Don't you ever let me see you put your head down. Mm -hmm. Get up here and fight. And it still gives me chills right now when I talk about it because I remember how impactful that was to my mindset where he didn't let me just cower in my own yes. negativity and feeling bad for myself. And he had the guts to go out there and not just, okay, Danon, your slider's not working. Let's work on this location, this and that. He's like, get up and fight. Yeah. And that's kind of how I took throughout my career in football and baseball is that everything was about a fight and I was representing my family. I was re representing the name on the back of my jersey. I know people always say, represent the one on the front, not the back. No, I represented the one on the back and it worked for me. I represented the name Hughes on the back. And um, that was more impactful and more of an incentive than anything or any team I could have played for because I knew there was a bigger bigger call. And then when I got married, I had five kids uh, and now three grandkids. The things I do now are to represent them. And things I've instilled in them is that you wear the huge name. Yes, sir. It means something. Yes, sir. Make sure it means something when you make decisions. Yeah. And, and, and in a nutshell, that's pretty much how I roll. Yeah, it's a legacy piece. It's an understanding that young people need to have that like you're not only a son of, you're not a barber yeah. just when you're on the football field. You're a barber at the grocery store. Yep. You're a barber at the department store. You're a barber when no one else is even looking. When you're by yourself and there's a decision to make about whether to do something to get in trouble versus doing the right thing, like you're, you're, you're always going to be a barber. Yeah. So you can't avoid that. You can't run from that. There's going to be benefits in life yep. that people are going to assume that you're big, straight, fast, strong, yep. you're a great athlete, and you can take advantage of those assumptions. You can you can show some intensity, some 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 extra energy, some hey, I'm I'm the one driving the bus. Y'all yeah. jump on my back. I can carry y'all to the promised right. land. Whether you you have to fake it till you make it, yeah. <laughs> or until your abilities uh, 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 showcase that you deserve that. There's gonna be opportunities and doors that are open because you're a barber. But there's also a certain amount of responsibility that is not uh, not earned. Yeah, uh, but it's given to you because you are my kid. Yep, and. I, I have to give you another tip of the hat. I'm, 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 I've kind of gave you too much credit already, but um, <laughs> I'm not used to this. This is, this is uncharted territory now. You're giving me credit. My, my, my first son is Nico. He works for the Chiefs. He's yeah. in the equipment staff. Man, that man is doing an amazing, uh, amazing, amazing, uh, you know, able to be around y'all on way trips and stuff. And being a parent, a young man who is in his early 20s and having the opportunity to travel with the NFL team, mm -hmm. with the people and players that everybody else would just gloat to be yeah. around, the Patrick Mahomes, the Kelseys, and all the excitement that comes about being with the NFL, for him to still be able to be humble and controlled enough and to understand, I got a job to do yeah. here, yep. and to take his job seriously, he set a standard of how to be responsible 
and how to not be on your phone. Yeah. And not and and, and handle your business. Right, right. What well, you said it, right? HWO hard work pays off all the time. He understands that to the utmost. And it's something that he's reflected over and over again in each day when he goes to work. And that's kind of uh trickled down to my second son who just signed with the Royals yep. um out of high school. Well, he was a Blue Valley North product. He was under your two lich, uh under yours and call Causeway with damage hitters. Y'all are two the two guys who I give the utmost responsibility, utmost credit for developing his trust, his sweet swing. Um, and that's what has got him to this this level. Um, now he's in Arizona. Again, he has a lot of time on his hand, a lot of free time to be 18 years old, living on your own. Yeah. But it's it's way beyond th- this one moment. His life has kind of prepared him. The the responsibility he's shown us around the house and amongst his friends when he was at Blue Valley North, around his teammates to stay away from certain things in high school has prepared him for this moment. And now they've let, left all these big shoes to fill by this young man, Deacon, who's a ninth grader, mm-hmm. and trying to find his own way. Yep. Um, and he's going to have his own uh, trials and tribulations and decisions to make. And I just, uh, I mean, I'm appreciative to the circle of friends I've placed around my kids to let them know it's just not me. Yeah. It ain't just one voice you need to be listening to. There's a multitude of voices that can tell you. There's many ways to be successful on the field, in the classroom, and in life. Yeah. But the one consistent message you hear over and over again is effort, yeah. attitude, being consistent, body uh, language, body language, um, being responsible, uh, being available, yeah. right? And understand the difference between being injured yep. and being hurt. <laughs> I mean, those are the, I mean, we have the same 10 or 12 messages that we go through so many uh, times over and over with our kids or anybody who's in our circle of influence. And that's what's so great about team sports. And multiple sports. And as you have your son Deacon here as a, a multi-sport athlete, your other kids as well, it, it's important that you learn different things, but it's all around under the same umbrella. And um, I hate the word specialization. Anybody out there that pushes kids, high school coaches, uh, travel coaches, AAU coaches that push kids to make them believe that they only they should focus 100% on one sport. Uh, or they need to, in order for them to get their goals, they only can focus on one area, you're terrible. And you're doing the, that kid a disservice. You're hearing it from me. Hopefully you hear it from other people. I was a multi-sport athlete. You were a multi-sport athlete. I'd say a, a huge majority of professional athletes have played multiple sports in their lives. And there's things that you take. There's vi- there's visions. There's goals. There's coaching. And we all have a filter. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about what you, what your kids bring to the table in their life or what's brought to them, they get filtered voices. They get voices that they can filter through. Say, hey, so, you know, Noah may hear something from me and hear something from Carl, but there's something that sticks with him a little mm-hmm. bit more by Carl this time based on something that I might have said. And yeah. he's able to grow and mature by filtering through that. My kids, the same way. Uh, my wife and I are different in our approaches. My father and my mother are different in their approaches with my kids. You hear all of that. We, they've had a lot of mentors here in the Kansas City metro area. Take a, absorb, be like a sponge, absorb all that information, and then filter it out based on the rep, the path and the road that you choose or that's chosen for you. Um, I got a chance to, I had, of my five kids, four of them played college sports. Um, and, you know, I'm one of those parents. I'll sit idle at the game. I'm not yelling and screaming until there's something to be yelling and screaming about. <laughs> and most of the time when it's time to yell and scream, it has nothing to do with something that yeah, it's got the outcome of yeah, a play. It's got the outcome of a play. It's it's what I see in them. It's the fight that I see in them. It's the time when I saw that the light turned on mm-hmm. and they went to a different mode. And then I would sit up and I'd be like, all right, now we re- now, all right, now let's go. Yeah. Now the party starts. All this other stuff was just warm-ups. Yes. And it might be a glimpse at times, and it might take a quarter in basketball. My son played college basketball. My two daughters played college. Two of my daughters played college volleyball. My oldest daughter played college soccer. And those are the joyful times for me. When I watch their videos occasionally when I'm traveling, it's like, okay, yeah, it's back and forth game and blah, blah, blah. But then when I see something, I'm like, okay, that's the fight. That's the huge fight yes. they learned. That's, that's what I've been pressing on them since they were small. And they still enjoying it. I'm not one of the dads that make it miserable for my kids to play sports or do extracurricular activities. But I also let them know that there's more. 
Yes. There's more you can tap into that you're going to be satisfied with, that you're going to look back on in 10, 20 years and remember how you perform and why you perform and what what trigger was going on in your head that put you over into a different zone that nobody was going to be able to guard you, that nobody was going to be able to to uh, handle you. And that's that's where you're going to be proud. Man, awesome, awesome. All these, I mean, these, these, these tidbits, these, these, these nuggets of wisdom and knowledge. Man, listen, if anybody's been exposed to myself or Dana Hughes as far as mentorship programs or, you know, being uh, coached by our, uh, by our voices or any of our teams, anything like that, the one thing that you should realize is that it's fundamentals. Yeah. Everything that I believe in has to do with teaching kids fundamentally sound football, basketball, baseball, whatever it is, I'm coaching the fundamentals. I do not care how the outcome of a game. Yeah. It, I'm not I'm not interested in outcomes. When my kids come home, I ask them, how was your game? If they tell me the score, I look at them like, who are you talking to? Yeah. I, I, I ain't asked about the score. I, I can find out the score. <laughs> I want to know, how did you play? Yeah. Did you come ready? Yeah. Did you give everything you got? What was your effort? What was your attitude? When things got rough, did you show up? Yeah. All right? When 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 you when you missed the ball, did, did you did you hang your head yeah. or did you put your your knuckles in your glove and say, man, when, when is this next ball coming so I can right the ship? Oh, yeah. um, when I'm playing cornerback and they want to one run the wheel route, mm -hmm. number two runs the wheel yeah, and them. you don't go because you stick with number one too long. <laughs> yeah, you are deep. <laughs> I'm not speaking, no, I'm not speaking to nobody, <laughs> but I'm saying when you're covering the deep third. Yeah, that's, that's your, your job. You ain't mad. So, I mean, and seeing those moments of growth, but realizing, you know what, through this coaching, he's still having fun. Yeah. He's oh, still, yeah. I mean, he's not, he's, I'm not beating him down. I'm not beating down. I'm not beating him down. I'm talking about these actions. Yeah. Hey, that was an opportunity for you to rise. You failed that occasion. But as long as you learn the reason why. Yeah. And now you don't make that mistake again. Now that we have an opportunity to talk about the why, what do you really, what are your eyes supposed to be on? Yeah. Your man. Or the zone. You're in a zone. Yeah. So is your eyes on your zone or you got caught up? Caught up with this receiver. You you in this personal battle against one on one. You want, hey, I don't want him to catch nothing. Yeah. And now you give up a big play. So those things come to fruition, they come to opportunity. But then you know what he does? He shuts me up because yesterday he had an interception. Hey. Doing it his style, his own way. But Deacon, I will tell this, I will say this, and I remember this as a kid, and I know my my kids had the same mindset. If I make my dad shut up, then I must have did something good. So that becomes a moment. That becomes something that I put in my head like, I'm going to go to this game so he don't say nothing. Yeah. He ain't, don't, you ain't got to an answer because you got to ride home with him. But, you know, you know, I, you know, we think in the same way. Uh, just like my kids. And, I, you know, we sit back and, we, you know, you hear the saying when people talk about it in sports, you know, that's what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I look back at the videos when I was watching my kids and I was in the stands and, like, he might have scored 20 points. He ain't get that. You know, she might have had, you know, 20 sets, 30 sets in the game, successful. But then when there was something, mm -hmm. like you said, something where you saw the light come on, you might hear me in the background. Now, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. You know, now, now we're in a zone now where it's not about just winning basketball or winning volleyball or winning soccer. It's about I, I see you. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I see I see me in you and I see what what – what I've tried to instill in you for all these these years, and now it's looking like that. Man, now keep doing it. Again, man, we we talk about our kids all the time, but it was you know obviously not to not to place one kid as a priority over any other one. But there was there's a there's a level of success that Noah has experienced now that he signed with the Royals. Everybody thinks that was the great like man, that's got to be so great. Your son signing with the Royals, and I think back to his entire career, and I talked to you know Lonnie Goldberg is the guy from the Royals that. We, we talked about Noah and did he really want to play baseball or football? And what Lonnie told me was like, I realized Noah was my kind of baseball player while he was playing football. Mm -hmm. There was an opportunity, Blue Valley North was playing against Ray Peck, and there was a running back. He was running hard. He hit that corner and Noah had to come up and hit him. He ran Noah flat over. Mm -hmm. Noah got up, dusted himself off, and Lonnie said at that moment, he wanted to see what Noah was made of. Yep. And the opportunity came to hit that guy again. Noah got ran over. But the but the the heart. Yeah. It was the, it was the it was the heart to compete. Yeah. If you talk to any of Noah's coaches that had the opportunity to coach him in senior year, only thing Mike Mislaski talked about, your son is a dog. Yeah. He will compete at the five yard line, the fifty yard line, the first player practice to the last player practice. 
he don't know how not to compete. compete. We have to slow him down in certain drills because we're working on an offensive. That's, yeah, yeah, you got work. X, Y, Z, and he just keeps jamming the mess out of our receivers. Man. We can't get anything done, so we got to take him out the drill. Yeah, he said that. That's one of the things, Sean, that made me so proud of having the opportunity to coach Noah. And that was one of the things that you talking about a proud moment as a father. It had nothing to do with the outcome of a game. It was practice. Yeah, but that's a good. That's a great thing because that's also a message for a lot of parents out there that it ain't about how much time your kid get, gets. It ain't about uh, a specific team that he's on because if he has talent, if she has talent, they will be found. And yes. those are the little nuances that draw attention. I was recruited to play two sports in college. To my knowledge, those co coaches, Joe Paterno, Tom Osborne, Hayden Fry, um, the list goes on of Hall of Fame coaches that were coaching on college levels while I was in high school. They came to watch me play basketball. Mm. They watched me play basketball because they could see my frame. Yeah. yeah, They could see my body. They could see how really physical I am. If I didn't have shoulder pads and a helmet on, they could see my attitude. They could see my body language. They could see if my face, my facial expressions. They could see if I encourage teammates. They can see how I'm a battle against an opponent. What if I got a guy that's bigger than me? What am I going to do? What if I got a guy that's smaller than me? What am I going to do? Yes. You can see it because you're only 15, 30 feet away on a basketball court. And then they, then you wonder, okay, well, why are all these coaches at my basketball games when they're, they're trying to recruit me to play football? Mm -hmm. That's why. So don't specialize. Broaden your horizons. And if you have that right attitude, you never know what can happen. I was always awesome, man. Nuggets. Obviously, the one things that let's keep to mind: hard work pays off. WPO. Yeah. Um, understanding that the process is greater than the product. And when we talk about the process. We talking about young athletes. Do not specialize. Let them enjoy the process. Let them play. Let them develop. Let them fail. Let them. Let them fall a few times. Watch them get up. And if they choose to play linebacker. Smack them and say, "Be a wide receiver because <laughs> wide receivers are a cooler posi position to be." Just be, just for that reason, just because we're cooler, man. Once again, I'm Sean Barber, your host. This is my son in the back, Deacon Barber, my man, Danny Hughes. Man, we would like to one one more time, man. Thanks to the McGinnis Group. Thanks for having um for for sponsoring and being a part of the show. Until next week, this is Sean Barber with the process. The process is always greater than the product. Amen. <laughs>